Welcome to Main Menu for January 2nd, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week we begin with a greeting from ACB President Mitch Pomerantz. Then, Rick Harmon of the Blind Geek Zone, JJ Meta of Blind Bargains, and I talk about the top stories of 2009. Finally, the three of us make our predictions as to what we think the top stories of 2010 will be. Take notes and see if we're right. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. This is Mitch Pomerantz, President of the American Council of the Blind. This is a very special time for the American Council of the Blind and for ACB Radio. This is our 10th birthday, and I am so pleased to be able to announce that on our 10th birthday, we have as our new managing director, our interim managing director, Larry Turnbull. We are uh, so pleased to have Larry Turnbull as our Managing Director of ACB Radio, and I uh, wish Larry and I wish all of the listeners to our five streams a happy and a healthy holiday season as we proceed to 2010. It's been An interesting year for the organization and for ACB Radio. We've come through a tough transition in some ways, but I believe it's made us stronger. One of my goals in 2010, and I believe Larry shares it with uh, me and with our board of directors, is to increase the listenership among our members and certainly as well to increase the number of programmers and to once again attract a worldwide audience. We believe we have the tools to do that, and we have the determination to make that come true. With your help, with the help of all of the volunteers who participate in making ACB Radio what it is, I believe that 2010 will be our best year ever. Once again, I want to wish ACB Radio a happy 10th birthday and congratulate Larry Turnbull on being our permanent uh, managing director. Thank you. Toward the end of last year, Blind Bargains consulted with some industry experts in the blind community, including the Blind Geek Zone's Rick Harmon, Ranger from the Ranger Station blog, the Fred's Head Companion's Michael McCarty, and yours truly, Am I an Expert?, to compile the top news stories of 2009. I recently had the pleasure of visiting with Rick Harmon of the Blind Geek Zone and J.J. Meta of Blind Bargains about the top 11 stories of 2009. So let's start with number 11, the iBill. Um, have any have either one of you guys had a chance to play with it yet? I have not. They've been um, 
having so many requests and calls for people that want to uh, to have uh, iBells and play with them that they were on their list of yeah. people. I mean, someone might think ninety nine dollars is expensive for a money identifier, but when you consider what it what it does, uh, and compared to the prices of of money identifiers that were out there before. Oh, yeah. It's smaller and cheaper. I suppose the, the question is when, uh, if and when uh, bills get updated, which does happen occasionally, is that com- going to completely cause you to have a dead product? I believe there's a mechanism built in um, for updates. I don't think they really describe how that works. Is I'm not sure if there's a USB port on it, or I believe there is a way, though, for... Yeah. They, they would have to factor that in. That's what I read on one of the reviews. So there's been at least two or three different demos that have been published now. They've all given their... Uh, positive reviews. There's a couple of little minor quibbles about it, you know, like there's no headphone jack and little things like that. But, you know, for what it does and compared to what was out there, that's, I think, why it made the list. Number 10, accessible event. I think it's a big deal, but I think it's one of those things that's not as obvious. It's not as flashy as uh, as some products. You guys maybe agree with that, have a different take on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think probably, yeah, the most underrated part of this whole thing is the compatibility with GoToMeeting and some of the other sites that are being used. Uh, Humanware was actually doing a presentation on GoToMeeting with the Intel Reader, so I immediately wrote them back, like, hey, how is this going to be accessible? And they wrote me right back, like, oh, we're using accessible events, so if you want to come in, just uh, let us know, and we'll make we'll make uh, accommodations for you. So any co- any company, uh, for the, for the uh, federal government who does, you know, anybody who's doing meetings, that is probably one of the biggest deals of this the other part of it is the fact that you can share uh, Microsoft Word documents and uh, you know web pages and things like that and they immediately come up on the user's screen that is really cool to watch in action if you've never seen it in action do try out one of the the Serial Talk tech chats on Thursday nights it's really cool to watch as they're going through and talking about all the different websites and resources on a show how they're how uh, Michael Loff is flashing all of the uh, the resources up on the screen, so you can kind of follow along. You can bookmark one if it's interesting to you, and uh, you can just kind of do what he's doing. It's, it's really cool to watch that in action. Number nine, Orator and its lack of release. There's still, um, I mean, we haven't heard the last thing we heard was um, the pre-launch in October. They're... Um, there's still uh, looks like on the side they're still uh, talking about publicly confirming support for specific vice- devices, but nah, not much on uh, release dates. Um, we did a timeline on this for Blind Bargains, and the you know the announcement of the BlackBerry goes all the way back, um, at least publicly saying that Humanware was going to do a BlackBerry product in in September of 2007. They're quoted in the uh, New Zealand Herald saying. Wow. That they're going to have a BlackBerry product and it's going to be out by next spring, as in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. you know, I can understand delays and, and things like that, but that it's it's gotten a bit um, ridiculous. And that we had the pre-launch in Florida, which is kind of funny because I thought we had that at, at CSUN. Yeah, they had a big announcement of it, and then they were demonstrating at the conventions, which is fine. I, you know, you can demonstrate proprietary and new stuff at the conventions, but there's been a lot of delays, and maybe it, maybe it's Rim's fault. We don't really know it, it, would, it would just be nice to hear something from humanware or rim or something you know what, what's taking so long just we'd like to see a little bit of you know upfrontness you know at least come forward and let us know what's going on yeah they, they'd gain a lot more respect from their customers if they did that as far as screen readers for phones it's good if, they, if they're saying 450 dollars that's higher than any other screen reader for a mobile phone yeah that's another big deal there is one of the the demonstrations i heard on tech talk when uh, they were demonstrating it there or t- talking about it, you know, they were 
somebody brought up the fact that if you changed your BlackBerry, you'd have to buy another full copy, you know, of the Orator, and kind of tried to talk it down and act like, oh well, you know, yeah. You know, maybe that won't be a big deal, or oh, maybe we can do something about it. But boy, to me, that would be a huge deal. It sounds like we just need some more info. I mean, I think that's kind of the bottom line of this whole discussion. There's more questions than answers at this point. Right. Uh, Here we thought they were going to be on the top 10 for 2009, but for a totally different reason, because they had released a product. But yet, the only reason they're on this list is because they haven't done anything. Didn't. Right. Number eight, RFB&D, free downloads. Um, They got a grant. um, I believe it's the same... Uh, organization uh, program that gave Bookshare their grant, okay. and so now they're able to also offer free memberships to individuals, which is actually a little further than what Bookshare did because Bookshare is, is just free memberships for students. So okay. any any person now can get a free membership from RFB and D, and if you combine that with now the ability to download books, which is something that they've I mean, we've been waiting for 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 years and years, especially for students, but they do have a lot of general interest titles, um, you know, novels and other books too. So you know, it isn't just for students. For instance, they'd have like uh, the AP style guides uh, recorded and you know, a lot of technical manuals and things like that. So, you know, people think of RFB and D just for students, but there really are a, a lot of, of good books. And since it's now free, you might as well check it out. And it's supported on virtually every device out there uh, with the book sense coming next month. And many of the complaints that people used to have about, it wasn't really about RFB and D, but about books on cassette, I mean, they've kind of been eradicated now with Daisy. You don't have to fast forward through three tapes. They used to have those little braille cards that would say, you know, pages <laughs> 28 to 32 is on tape two, side three. You know, so now you can just type, you know, use your player and type in the page number you want. And it is, it is a lot more practical and they're read by people. Number seven, the Louis Braille coin. The Louis Braille coin uh, was created because of a law that was passed a few years back and basically it's a $1 coin with embossed Braille. The first coin ever to have embossed Braille on it. There's a capital sign and a BRL. Um, it was the initial idea was put forth by the uh, the National Federation of the Blind but it, it ultimately ends up benefiting everybody uh, in two fronts. First, it gets the idea of Braille out to the general public and especially to the coin collecting community, if you consider that over 200,000 of these coins were sold throughout the year, and that combined with the, the PR and everything else, the coin was used on a few uh, coin tosses for football games, things like that. So that alone has uh, furthered the cause for Braille literacy, and at least a lot more people know that Braille is still being used. And the other part of that is money from the sale of each coin is raised to help pay for Braille literacy programs. Um, if you look at uh, the fact that less than 10% of blind people now are reading Braille, that uh, in many people's eyes, including my own, is a travesty, considering um, the importance that Braille still holds. A lot of people are saying that electronic devices have replaced Braille, and Braille is no longer necessary, but I'm sure many can attest, and many that are in uh, professional careers and, and elsewhere, of the importance that Braille uh, still has not necessarily in it doesn't have to be um, big paper books it can be electronic displays but I, I know NFB and ACB and a lot of other people are definitely for the cause of uh, of braille literacy so it'll it'll be good to hopefully see some more programs uh, sprout out from the sale of the coin yeah that that was interesting another 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 place that uh, that used the coin and I wish it had been more promoted and more publicized in the news and stuff but uh, NASA actually 
had one of the coins that flew earlier in the year on a, on a space shuttle mission that uh, serviced the Hubble Space Telescope. I liked them, and I'm a coin collector myself uh, back from my sighted days, and I still do even though I can't see. But sure. I, you know, I bought several of the proofs and very, very nice coins. It's still out there. If you if, if you can't buy them um, from the mint anymore, if people are wondering, um, they're around on eBay and other places. We've posted some links on, on Blind Bargains uh, before, yeah. but they are still there. If you want to, now if you buy them now, you won't. The money won't go towards Braille uh, literacy directly, but you'll still get your coin. Number six, Windows Seven same day screen reader release. I, I'm still a Windows XP user, and um, just because, well, for I had some. Uh, memory issues that I need to take care of on this computer and, and stuff before I even thought about upgrading to Windows 7. But I assume that both of you guys are are using Windows 7 at least on one computer. Is that correct? I know Rick is. I'm definitely not, actually. I'm, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah I, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> not yes. everybody is the 7 yet. You are, Rick. Yeah, I am. Um, the, the funny thing there was, and uh, you know, I was, I believe, the first person to actually do a podcast demonstration of the product i actually did a podcast on it on january 9th when the initial public beta come out so yeah that's it's huge that you know we could actually use a screen reader you know on on the product you know basically all the ways through the the beta and the rc and and like you said the very first day when everybody was able to buy it you know we could actually use our screen readers with it yeah. There was waiting at all. Vista was cool, but you still you didn't really didn't really have much of a beta until um, when Vista came out, right? And you couldn't really use your screen readers much with any of the betas of, of Vista either. So yeah, it's 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 huge. I I think. Now Ranger made a good point, and I, it's mentioned in the article about the the uh, uh, magnifier that's built into Windows 7. I can't attest to it much personally, but I guess it's a lot more uh, full-fledged than the old magnifier. Um, so that's, that's an interesting development to watch, and the point is maybe you know the next Windows will have a screen reader, and we don't know. Maybe that would be a good thing. Maybe that wouldn't be a good thing. But it's interesting to see uh, Microsoft take a little more active interest uh, in accessibility. Number five, Amazon's... Um well, promised accessible Kindle. Um, we'll have to see how that develops. That that's kind of an interesting story because um, not so much a pushback from Amazon on accessibility, but I guess from the publishers, right? Right. Yeah, Amazon added uh, text-to-speech functionality in the Kindle that they released last spring, and then the publishers were all up in arms about this because they say that it infringed on their copyrights. So Amazon then made it an option for publishers uh, whether or not to enable or disable the text-to-speech functionality. Uh, mind you, that, that functionality wasn't even accessible because you, the menus still didn't talk. But still, it was, I mean, there was an interesting fight, which is still going on, and it's probably going to play into how uh, accessible the Kindle ends up being. My guess is it'll be one of those things that the first version probably won't be perfect. It might work in limited cases, and it might take them a couple tries to get it right, but maybe eventually they will. Yeah, I mean, you know, initially I, I didn't think much of it. I remember when, when the Kindle 2 came out and, you know, all this uproar, and I said, oh, you know, we got a lot of access to books. You know, who cares? But, you know, I kind of thought about it over the year, and, you know, you know now it, it, it is a really big deal to me because, you know, Although we do have a lot of access to books now, more 
books than we've probably ever had in, in, in our history. But still, it's only, you know, one thing I read, you know, maybe 5% of the books that are out there. And, you know, so this would allow us to have access to, you know, hundreds of thousands of books. Yeah. And the, I think the other key here, um, you know, going back to let's like the screen readers, we'd have same day access to books. Yes, exactly. Not not whenever the places were able to get around to recording them, we could just sure. go. I'm just like sighted guy down the street. I mean, technically, we have. I mean, if you want to be fair, we have that now with a lot of with Audible and a lot of the audiobooks that are sure. available. But uh, one of the things about that is usually the audiobook costs more than the printed book. So. Right, and and even still, Audible only has you know forty fifty thousand books. You know, Amazon alone, I believe, on the Kindle has nearly five hundred thousand books. Right. I mean, you know, it's a huge, huge leap. It'll be interesting to also watch. Um, there was this announcement a couple months ago of uh, a Kurzweil ebook reader, which was supposedly was going to do quite close to the same thing yeah. um, as a free software product uh, for computers and phones. But that was supposed to be released in November, and that has been pushed back. We haven't heard anything else on that. So maybe, maybe hopefully on the first part of the year, maybe by ATAA, we'll hear more on that. Number four, death to the SMA, rest in peace. I remember when that whole big announcement came from Saratech. The SMA is dead. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I don't, I don't think it's, it's not as big of a deal to us who are high-tech users. And, you know, most of your higher-tech users are, are not really using system access as much, you know, because we, we grew up on JAWS or Window Eyes, and we like the scripts and some of the advanced features that are built in. But... We're like five percent of the market. If you're already, you know, Saratech who market, you know, if they're trying to market a lot to schools, to uh, to VA agencies. That's a really good selling point because yeah. one of the, you know when they're trying to cut costs, and you can tell them, hey, you you won't have to spend two hundred dollars a year to keep all your products current. If you're talking about installing, uh, making a computer lab accessible, uh, making a you know schools computers accessible, libraries, etc. And you can say, hey, you can buy this now and we'll support you forever. That is a pretty big selling point. You combine that um, with another story that didn't make the list but is kind of related um, how system, um, this access on a netbook, you can get a license for 149 bucks. I think one of the good points of the, uh, the free updates got demonstrated, though, uh, when uh, iTunes 9 came out in the store, the access of the store got broken in both Jaws and Window Eyes, and System Access was out with a free fix within the week. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're quick about their updates, that's for sure. They are. Do you guys see either one of the two other screen readers um, going to like a web-based subscription service? System X doesn't have enough um, market share to, to influence either uh, JAWS or Windows at this point. I mean, there's already, I mean, there's that and there's already MVDA, which is free and come a long way um, since its initial release. And, you know, that really hasn't influenced anybody either. So Not sure. yet. Right. Not yet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it is it is great to have options, and um, you know, I don't think there would be a if, if as far as a web based solution, you have the free SA to go. So True. that that is definitely a nice. Uh, you never know because that you know two years ago at ATA it was that last year it was the SMA. So who knows what it'll be in uh, 2010. And you know that that's a lot of the excitement. I think is that there are so many. I mean, we're sitting here talking about. We've talked a lot about a lot more than 10 or 11 uh, things that are possible that are maybe coming 
I mean, we can all probably remember back to when there weren't that many. I, I know I certainly can. I sent out the list to everybody. Um, what we did is we kind of ranked everything from 1 to 10. And just pulling from the, the news stories on Blind Bargains and a few others, there was like 55, 60 different things on the list. And there certainly could have been a few more on top of that. So there are a lot of, of worthy uh, stories for 2009. Oh, yeah, it's been it's been incredible. I mean, I know I don't go back as far as either one of you go. You know, I only have about a five year history, but I know how much things have changed for me just in five years. What I had access to in two thousand five and what I have access to now, you know, almost you know, beginning of two thousand ten, it's incredible. Oh, it has exploded. I mean, well, May, May Menu. I mean, it's been around for almost the whole decade. It was it was one of the first. You know, really good journalistic efforts as far as, you know, reviewing technology for the blind. And a lot of, of what we have now has spawned off of that. I mean, certainly there were magazines before that, but a lot of that, yeah, you'd have to wait in the mail for it to come. And, yep. you know, it's, re- it's really, yeah, obviously, it's been a decade of everything coming online. And, and it's one of the things, amazingly, that the blind community almost is equal to the sighted community. You know, in ways, internet access. You know, the things we have access to now. You know, that you know, there's a lot of other areas we're not in equal footing with the sighted community. But I really feel, you know, especially in the last year or two, internet access and the things like you said that we can get now on the internet tutorials and stuff. I, I really believe, you know, we're we're almost on equal footing with you know the sighted community. If you stop and think about it, blind people can network. And get information from each other, especially through Twitter. If you oh, if, yeah. if you watch some of the recent uh, product launches and how they've unfolded, how new information has been kind of leaked through Twitter, and how quickly <laughs> it bounces around through people. Yeah, an excellent example of that. We might as well talk about it now. I mean, last night, you know, I was listening. We were listening to we the Twitter community. We're listening to a podcast that Larry ScootCon put up on Blind Cool Tech about a um, an OCR program for the Symbian phone. <laughs> and he just happened to mention in his presentation, oh, yeah, I'm recording this on a prototype of uh, the new Bookport Plus that we hope comes out sometime next year. And, I mean, it just went nuts. It went crazy. And immediately, um, Blind Bar yeah, and on the act. At the same time, because we both tweeted the same thing. I mean, almost exactly. immediately. Like, hey, there's got to be a Bookport Plus. <laughs> and it sounds pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we, we didn't really care about the uh, the little OCR program he was playing with. No. <laughs> I don't know that he had any idea he did that. I mean, I know he probably knew he said it, but he probably didn't. But he does now. He certainly it's does funny. now. It's kind of funny how stuff slips under the radar. I mean, that we found that in the, the APH annual report, which they published publicly. And in retrospect, we're going to start looking at those as soon as they come out. Now, <laughs> because yeah. there are some interesting nuggets of information um, in that report. But number three, this is a kind of an interesting one. Freedom Scientific signed braille drivers i can't even say that hardly that's a tongue twister now am i correct that that works with 64-bit versions of jaws but not 32-bit is that our well the problem exists right not exactly okay it does exist with 32-bit drivers that were introduced um after jaws 10 okay all right those are all affected too so if the braille display manufacturer doesn't purchase uh, what's the right term certification of their drivers from freedom scientific the braille display will not annual certification annual certification thank you it will not work with jaws not correctly no right and um 
I saw some numbers posted. What is it, $9,000 for the first year, something like that? Yeah, 5000 additional yeah. each year. Yes. Every year. Yeah, and Microsoft charges, what, 250 uh, Yeah, $250 for each each um, update. For their mirror drivers, right. And, and then I the think story came that Freedom Scientific wasn't even certified under that program. No. So, I mean, how how huge an impact is this going to be, uh, do you guys think? I think the story to watch is going to be who's going to win the battle. Because, um, you know, Pep and Mira, I guess, was the only one that so far that had um, had their drivers certified. It'll be interesting to see who else is planning on it. Um, back to that APH report, it looks like they're going to, to go ahead with certification. I'm not sure, if, you know, the reasoning behind any companies uh, choosing to do it or not to do it. The thing that gets me is the there wasn't a lot of lead time. If they were, you would think when you want your, it's kind of like when um, Microsoft released Vista and there weren't many drivers available for it, and so that it prevented a lot of people from upgrading to Vista. If mm-hmm. you know this is supposed to be such a big deal, you, you would give manufacturers plenty of lead time, and we don't know what was done privately before the release, but it seems like you would you know, make a real concerted effort to make sure that there's as many drivers out as possible. Um, before the release of Jaws 11, yeah. but the, the the biggest problem I have with the whole situation is the price. Right. I, I could, you know I can understand security. I mean I'm, I'm you know whatever they're trying to accomplish. You know if they want to charge a couple hundred bucks for it, nine thousand is ridiculous. Absolutely right. ridiculous. Yeah. And the yeah. thing of it is, it's hurting people. It's you know I talk to people every day. It says, well, you know, I can't get my drivers to work in, in, in JAWS 11. You know, I called them, and they told me this, and they told me that. And, you know, I hear it day after day after day. And, and you know, it, I don't know how much it hurts the company to have to do it, but I guarantee you it's hurting, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people that, you know, have got SMAs for 11 and are now finding out their old Braille display isn't going to work for whatever reason, and they don't have $5,000 to replace it. Right, that's and that's the that's the the big story right there, Rick. And sure. you're the you're the guy that uh, that sees that every day. And I right. Think that's, yeah. That's that's the the that's, really that's the crime. Thing. Yeah. What we yeah. what we don't see a lot of in um in our industry is we, we're we're too small of an industry to see how, how much churn there really is because of a move like this and you know so we don't really have numbers to track because most people will say well I I'm, I don't like this but I'm not going to switch to window eyes because I can't afford it or even the same with system access or some of the others but yeah. you know I definitely have seen evidence of people switching um, you know from Jaws to other screen readers you know again on Twitter and other places I mean it's very anecdotal but there are some yeah. people doing it. You know, when DW Micro has their lease to own programs, System Access has their lease program, and VDA is free. So, yep. you know, or you can get a Mac. So, I mean, right. there are options out there, but, you know, there aren't, isn't a lot that's free. And so some people are, or, and there's also the fact that people are just used to JAWS and uh, they don't want to try to learn something new. So, Rick, in your um, training, are, are you still. Is there still a vast majority of users who are using JAWS? Is it equalizing at all? What What are your experiences? Mostly, I train JAWS people. I, uh-huh. I do get a request here and there for window eyes, but 
you know, it is. It does seem to still be the vast majority of the people that at least come to me are, are Jaws people. And my whole problem with this, you know, and I think I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it publicly. I'm not going to say anything bad, but my whole problem with this thing, and, and at first, another one of these things that I guess I didn't really have a problem with at first till I really thought about it. But you know, how can you, as a company, demand? People, you know, companies sign the sign their drivers when Freedom Scientific doesn't sign any of their stuff. You know, their display drivers not signed. How can, how dare you <laughs> demand yes. that the Braille companies do this when you're not even doing it? Yeah. And and another problem I have with it is if if Freedom Scientific didn't sell Braille displays. I wouldn't have a problem with this, but where I have a huge problem with this is is that Freedom Scientific does sell Braille displays, and, and a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to say one way or another because I just don't know, but a lot of people say this is their way of forcing the rest of the market, you know, out in, in a way, you know, and I just, I just have a lot of problems with that. Sure, and I mean, I mean, I I don't know what the legal ramifications are of that, but you know, you know, it, there there could be something there. And I'm sure if there is, some other company is going to step up and and you know do the right processes or you know to make that happen. But you know, it it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't seem right, especially the fact that they you know they'll, they'll support their old um, braille light, but you know, a current braille display you, ha- you can't even use. Well, all right, we got two more and. Uh... Number two is the book sense. That ranks pretty high. It must be a pretty big deal. Let's. Uh, why do you guys think that went so high up the list? All I can say about it is it, it was amazing. You know, it came out in at the end of June, and boy, people just were buying it. You know, like there was no tomorrow. So. And of course, with like any product, I mean, when it was first released, there were some problems, and and I know Rick that you've you've. Talked about those a little bit. Has has the latest firmware upgrade uh, fixed any or all of those issues, as far as you can tell? Yeah, I think so. I I think the firmware updates have have uh, helped a lot. I haven't had near the problems out of the unit that I did with the initial release. So, yeah, I I think they're making good progress. For me, uh, um, I think it's just you know the the form factor of it. It's it's smaller than the than the stream. Um, it had you know the I like the uh, the Bluetooth on the XT version, uh, the built-in memory, and some of the additional formats that it played. But I think the bigger story might even be just the all of the competition now between the book players um, is really kind of pushing things forward. Um, between this, um, the, you know, the Plex Talk kind of gets overshadowed in all this because their first version was a little bit clumsy, but they're up to version 3.0 now, and from what I hear, it's gotten a lot better than it was. And now, if they're combining with APH, you know that we're going to have a, a third very formidable competitor in this market. So it's really good to see things push forward um, in this space because I, you know there probably will be another major uh, either update or new player that'll be on our top ten next year. <laughs> exactly, and it's like like I was saying earlier, it's another one of these areas that you know the sighted community has all these players at their at their you know. That they want to use, and you know, now all of a sudden, yeah, we're actually starting to get some 
some really nice players. And yeah, the book sense, I mean, I, I've showed it to a few sighted people and said, oh, wow, that's really cool. You know, it, you know, it, it, it looks just like, you know, something they would use. You know, a lot of the, the products, even the, the Victor Stream to some extent, you know, just doesn't look nearly as modern, you know, and, and yeah, the book sense is sleek, sexy, modern, and, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's great. I'm laughing as I say this, but the stream is kind of bulky. It's kind of big. Um, yeah, mean, yeah. Compared to the book sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what does humanware do, guys? I mean, I'm the stream's probably kind of reached getting close to the limits of its capabilities, I would think, as far as hardware design and, and what they can do with it. Do they, do they invest in another player? Um, mm-hmm. How do they compete? They've got this new 3.1 firmware that's also kind of like the orator kind of been pushed up, back so several yeah supposedly I, i'm hearing in the background you know it's supposed to be early january now so right, right but yeah what is it going to offer and and what is this paid um 59 upgrade to the upgrade I, I'm because, yeah what's that going to give us you know that's right. it's going to be really really interesting yeah. to see how that pans out and how many people will buy it and how many people won't yeah, I mean, you're right. Eventually, they're going to have to do another player. Yeah. If, if they're smart, they're they're doing R and D on that right now. Yeah, and yeah. Totally. Especially with a new um, uh, with the Bookport Plus now coming out, and you know, if if that in machine indeed has some sort of Wi-Fi capability, which we might not at first, but it sounds like it's possible. Yeah. That you know, that will be a major leap forward. Absolutely, and I know Larry um, ScootCon wants that. I mean, in the interview I did it with him on Main Menu. That was one of the things he mentioned that he'd like to see in a, in a player. So that is definitely on his radar. Big I just wonder how much that'll bump prices up. You know, they've they've got to stay competitive. You know, it was interesting to see because apparently, according again to, to that APH thing, the Wi-Fi chip is already built into the Black Stock. Oh wow! It just hasn't been utilized yet. So, oh wow! I mean, you know, if not sure if that's the release model or a, a prototype. But you know, it was saying it's it's there. So you know, and Wi-Fi chips are pretty cheap, so it, it really shouldn't bump the cost uh, that much. And you could make the argument now that there already is a, a book player with Wi-Fi, and that's the Braille Plus. But you know, obviously the price point is a lot different. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're fifteen hundred versus you know four or five hundred. Fifteen hundred is for the Icon without the Braille. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully that's what happens because you know when the Icon come out, you know, I was kind of shocked that oh my, you know, fourteen hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, and then the book port, too, at the time, you know, just kind of disappeared for whatever reason. But, yeah, I hope when this comes out, it, it's, you know, in the in the $400 range, like you said, four to $500 range that, you know, people are going to be able to more easily afford. It'll certainly have the most um, superior of, uh, of all the recording options compared to, I mean, all they're talking about being able to do headings and subheadings, just what everything you'd want to do to make a, a daisy book. Yeah. Which... You know, and if they make it simple enough to make a book, um, you know that'll be a, a very interesting development. Well, all right, let's get to number one. This is the big one: the iPod slash iPhone slash Apple Splash in the blind community. Um, who wants to take this? Let's let Rick take this one because Rick, I know for a fact that you have a Mac today. Um, although I suppose technically the the discussion was the iPod and the iPhone, t- or yeah, iPhone and iPod Touch. But let's go ahead and, and start um, just kind of with your thoughts on the Mac uh, as you've been playing with it for a little while. 
Yeah, the the word splash certainly is 100% accurate. This year has been huge for people in the blind community switching over to the Mac. And especially, you know, with the iPods that come out that were accessible. And, and then now this year, the the iPhone and the uh, the iPod Touch that, you know, are, are fully accessible voiceover and, and, and voiceover on the Mac itself. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. There are, you know, I think hundreds of people at the very least have switched this year to the Mac and it's been incredible. And, and I said, I would never do it. And guess what? (laughs) I, uh, I bought a Mac mini in November and I've been playing with it. I've done a few podcasts. I'm going to do another podcast next week. And it's a very interesting machine. It's, it certainly has its learning curve from somebody that's like myself, that's used windows forever. But, um, it's, it certainly has some, advantages and it's it's intriguing your thoughts jj sure well i mean i don't have a mac but i guess my my thoughts center more on how they've taken the functionality of voiceover in the mac and they brought it to the ipod touch and the iphone 3gs the key again being mainstream devices that you can buy and with no additional cost you have speech access it started with the uh, the iPod Nanos last year or 2008 and now they brought that to the iPhone uh, and iPod Touch which is really cool to see considering all the additional applications that are out there um, I mean, granted, the iPhone is not the best cell phone on the market. A lot of people will swear by it, but there are more equipped cell phones. A lot of the Nokia's um, fall in that category, and even a few Windows mobile phones have more features, better cameras, etc. Uh, you know, et but you know, the fact that you don't have to pay more for the screen reader, it's built right in. And a lot of the apps that are coming in from the, the, uh, the App Store for the iPhone and iPod Touch are turning out to be accessible. There's actually a pretty long list that, uh, that sprouted from this. So... There is a lot of, of cool developments there, and it's great to see Apple incorporating uh, speech technology in a good uh, portion of their products now. Uh, with that, the uh, the accessibility of iTunes, which you know started again in 2008, but they you know keep on working on it and expanding. Um, even down, to, you know, the new iPod shuffles have some sort of speech in them. The, and of course, the Danos still do. The, you know, the fifth generation uh, models as well as the models from. Uh, a couple of years ago, so it's nice to see Apple's commitment to this. I think it's paying off for them, and they're they're seeing uh, how much it's paying off for them. And um, I don't see any reason why they're going to be um, abandoning it anytime soon. I mean, my experience was uh, in June for my birthday. I bought myself an iPod Nano, and my wife saw a friend's iPod Touch and fell in love with it. And that's what she wanted for Christmas. Well, she's not the most computer literate person and doesn't want to be and was perfectly contented to let me load stuff on her iPod for her so that justified for me being able to go ahead and buy the 32 gig version which had voiceover and so honestly my I prefer using the iPod touch over the nano I mean it's crazy that in six months my nano is now (laughs) what I would consider old school obsolete technology that's just (laughs) insane but it is true and I can tell you that it is I mean, uh, you know, whenever I first got it, I decided to be all romantic and text her a Merry Christmas, I love you message in the notepad, and uh, that takes some getting used to. Um, 
yeah. it's doable, but the first the first time you try that on a touch screen, you're kind of yeah, I um, bet. It's like, what did I just get myself into here? <laughs> uh, but once you sort of calm down and um, and play with it a little bit, it's doable. And another thing that I think is is really interesting, and you know, I swore I wasn't going to spend much time on this. the The thing that de- really galvanized the Mac community in the blind community was the article uh, in the NFB in June that was pretty critical of voiceover and the whole uh, system. (laughs) Um, But I I think that's actually been a good thing. But one of the the criticisms that I didn't understand at the time was the criticism of a lack of documentation. Because when I went to the site, I found a lot of documentation. There's tons of documentation. As I began to read it, though, I began to understand something that might have caught the reviewer Uh, off guard because it sort of messed with my mind at first and that is that traditionally blind people have to go find the alternate documentation okay this is for the sighted folks now let me go find the blind people documentation it's all one document right apple and and that is pretty cool quite honestly to read the ipod touch manual and find the voiceover gestures they are in the manual but by and large, if you want to know how to do something on the iPod, you just read the manual. <laughs> now, I, I will say Apple have done a great job of making those graphical uh, buttons and stuff like that in the manuals uh, accessible, and they also describe the layout of the document. So it's a good idea to go to their accessibility page, um, you know, uh, apple.com slash accessibility, and download the accessible versions of the documentation. But no, it's I mean it's all one document. That is really cool to see it, and, and I noticed um, they ended up publishing a, a sub- subsequent article. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a retraction, but they kind of did like a bit of an update, uh, on yeah. another review of it, in a, a few months later. So I think it kind of just goes to prove that they're you know it's very easy to get scared away by it because it's something new and that we're not used to doing. I've honestly walked up to a couple mags. In the stores, because hey, I can turn on voiceover and turn it on, and kind of been a bit lost. But you know, but there is really good documentation, and it is you know very easy to learn. It seems. Yeah, and another huge thing is, and I think it's going to be big in the future. You know, for blind people, and it's it really was an uproar at first, but you know, the touch screen access to the touch screen. You know, we all said, oh. There is no way a blind person can use a touchscreen. Right. And now all of a sudden, you know, Apple come up with this gesture method to do it. And look at all the blind people now that they're using. There's still a lot of them that are saying, oh, no, you can't do that. But but look at all of and them. And there'll be a lot more with uh, Mobile Speak 4 coming yeah. out. That's true. Yeah. And, and look, see, now it's all of a sudden it's going to spread. And, and even maybe Windows 7 Touch, who knows what will happen with that, you know, maybe that will get accessible too. I, you know, I, I just see it as being a huge thing because you know, touch screens aren't going away. No, they're not. And and we're going to have to come to grips with them. And I think what Apple did with the the iPhone and the iTouch is just going to be a huge, huge thing. And it, it'll be fun to watch. It really will. 
It'll be interesting to watch, I guess. You know, like you said, the typing. I, I still, I, I haven't touched one. I still don't understand how in the world you would type on it. But, but like you said, once you start doing it and you calm down, you, you know, you you can do it. Maybe you know the big the big complaint still is, well, you can't be productive with it. And I, I still don't know how fast you could type doing that, but. And to be honest with you, since it is my wife's iPod and she has it more than I do, I haven't had a chance to play with it a lot. But um, one of the things I can tell you is I was almost too tentative. I was just barely touching the screen and was selecting things I didn't really intend to. But when you actually just – one of the things in in the manual, and it literally says, relax your hand. And it's like that was the best advice that they put in there because when you just rest your finger on the screen – Put, you don't have to put pressure, but just that constant application of your finger on the screen, then you move it around. Yeah. Then once you find what you want, then you can double tap anywhere on the screen or use another finger to tap while that first finger is being held down. But once you figure out that it's not going to bite you, you know, it's not, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you just, you just uh, literally relax and, and play with it. All of a sudden, you find out, hey, this is actually... Plus, um, voiceover uses a lot of really cool sounds. I find using the flick method so that you just brush your finger along the screen will literally take you like across uh, the screen. And as soon as you get to the next row, you hear the little click uh, that lets you know that you've moved to, to a new row. And so you you have a sense of where you are on the screen um, as you're moving. So they've really... I think the thing that impresses me the most is that they have obviously put a lot of thought into this and it's not just a bunch of, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's not a bunch of sighted people sitting around trying to figure out what a blind person might want. Exactly. They've obviously incorporated some blind users and said, hey, what do you guys really need? And and so somebody is taking this exactly. seriously somewhere. And on the Mac, too, you know, talking about the voiceover sounds, I don't know how much you can tell it on the phone or the touch... But when I use the Mac, you know, those sounds are all there and, and you're moving around and I don't really understand all of it yet. I need to read the manual more, but but yeah, there's all these unique sounds and some of them will come from the right, some of them will come from the left and you know, and it's it's trying to tell you things spatially. Yeah. And and you know, I, I need to learn how to do it more. But yeah, it's incredible that, you know, they that obviously they had blind people, you know, involved in this because, yeah, I don't think it was a bunch of sighted people just sitting around. Oh, how can we, how can we help those poor blind people? You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wow. Well, um, what what do you guys think is possibly going to be the big story for 2010? Let's let's embarrass ourselves here. Let's uh, <laughs> we're either going to be prophets or we're going to look really foolish. So let's just. Have a little fun, and um, oh, JJ, I'll let you go first. You probably dabble in this. Well, you don't dabble in it. You probably work in this area more than uh, than anyone else. What do you think might be a big story for 2010? You know, it, I, I was going to go all way out on a limb, but I can honestly, the biggest story I think of 2010 will be is what we're already kind of expecting is the. I don't even think it'll just be Amazon, but the proliferation of, of a couple different. Options for same day uh, book access. I, you know, if it, if it's not Amazon, it'll be coming from uh, KNFB or via Google or via somebody. But the immediate access to 
to books and um, you know we're talking hundreds of thousands millions of books I mean it's something we've, we've kind of already alluded to and we know it's coming but when that hits and the amount of books that will be available I think that will be probably the biggest story of the year cool Rick what do you think wow <laughs> I know I should have given you guys some time <laughs> JJ just I, lays it out there, like you know. Go, you, know go no, you know, I'm not, I'm not real good at this. I don't, I don't get into things as much as, as JJ does. But um, I don't know. Either, maybe uh, this may sound crazy, but you know, I didn't think much of it initially, and, and every time I do that, it turns out to be wrong. But the, the Bookport Plus, I think, could be huge. You know, if it comes out. And it really does some of these things that they say it's going to do. You know, that could be all of a sudden, you know, the new player on the block again. And, you know, that that may turn out to be really huge. And I don't think the Freedom Scientific issue is over, mm. you know, with the Braille. Mm-hmm. I, think, I, I think in 2010, you know, there's going to continue to be this fight. And I don't know. That could be another. That could could mushroom into a very huge thing for 2010. I, I don't know. I'll tell you the one I'd like to see for 2010. Um, and you know, it's been talked about for several years. But you know, perhaps 2010 will be the year that we finally have a breakthrough of a, a really affordable uh, Braille display. And that's something. There's. I know there's been different technologies that have been in development in various labs here and there. And maybe we're finally at the point where we'll see that. Wouldn't it be ironic or wouldn't it be cool if the book port really did make a comeback? Because it really was the first of, of its kind. I mean, it really, and it was an awesome little unit. I mean, if you ever owned one of those, that was so fun and did so many cool things. And obviously, for whatever reason, um, you know, a- APH kind of really got, got sidelined big time. I mean, they really took a pretty good hit. And and if they can actually make a comeback there and really produce a, another cutting edge um, unit, another cutting edge player, that would be pretty pretty neat, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, and looking at who was behind that, you know, Larry Skukon and their whole team, I, I think they're definitely capable of it. Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that'll be huge because if if if. if you know, like I said last night on Twitter, I said, you know, there's already too many of these out here. You know, I don't know how they're good. But, you know, after I read that article that JJ put out and, you know, thought about it for a little bit, well, you know, if somehow they manage yeah. to, to come out with something that just does something really unique, then, you know, people will buy it. And, the same yeah. thing was said about the book sense. Like, oh, there's no room for another player in the market. There's already a stream <laughs> yeah. and everything. So, and look at look at how that flies off the shelf. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, mind you, come on. They they sold ten thousand streams. They say in the first few months. I know they haven't sold that many book sensors, but I mean, so I mean, you you do have more competition now, and so it's a little harder to break in. But that's a good I, point. They're definitely capable of it. Yeah. Uh, and I, if they manage to do it, you know that that's going to be a big story because. Like you said, there's so many of them out there now, and if they can do something different, I know I'm not sure how they're going to do something hugely different when it's going to be modified after the you know the Plex Talk Portable. I, I, you would think there was only so much they could do, but you know who knows? Like you said, Larry Scootcon, man, he's he's <laughs> golden. He, he but he can do it. He's he's going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I I will 
pick a couple of possibilities. Um, I'm kind of like the Freedom Scientific story isn't over, the Apple story isn't over. And I am going to be interested to see what products they release next year and if they continue to include voiceover in these new products, um, how they are received, how many more blind people actually do purchase iPod touches, iPhones, Mac computers. Um, that will be a, a fun story to watch. How voiceover may you know continues to improve as a screen reader. It's still very young as far as screen readers go. So I think that isn't going to be an interesting story. And I think Window Eyes could be an interesting story because they have promised browse mode overhaul, um, and that is one area that you know they really need need to, to work on. I mean, that's one area with, if you surf the net using window eyes and if you surf the net using JAWS and system access, I mean, if you're honest, um, you know, window eyes really needs to, to Im improve in that area. And GW micro, they, they do things right. I mean, they, they don't, you know, they, they take their work seriously. So plus they've got two other screen readers to look at that have been doing this for a while now. Um, you know, or three, if you want to count voiceover. So, you know, what will Windowize version eight look like on on the uh, the internet? If they actually, really uh, NVDA has probably come the. If you want to talk about Aria and live regions, NVDA has some pretty good support for that um, in their latest uh, builds. So, they want to look at them as well. Excellent, good, good point. Thank you, and and I do need to to play with that. But it will be interesting to see. I mean, can can they really? Uh, can GW Micro really do some cool things with with Windowize? So. Uh, that will be also, I think, um, a fun story to to watch. So. Yeah, kind of forgot about that. But yeah, when I talked to Aaron at GW Micro, you know, he kind of alluded to they're doing some major rewrites on Window Eyes. Right. And the one issue I had about performance, he said, you know, well, we're working on it. So, yeah. Exactly. Window Eyes Eight could could yeah could barely be something big. That's that's true. Um, this also uh, um, want to mention that um, we've just launched uh, as of today the uh, third annual Blind Bargains Access Awards. So if you agree with us, disagree with us, or have a totally different take, um, we're now taking nominations for the next couple of weeks over at BlindBargains.com, and then you'll be able to vote for the best uh, products, screen readers, companies, blogs, websites, uh, podcasts, and people of two thousand nine. I'm glad you said that because I was going to talk about you guys, and and if you hadn't said that, I would maybe have forgotten. I mean, you guys are a pretty big story yourself, and I'm not just saying that because you're with us on the on the panel here, but you guys have done a lot of good work. How long have you been around? Uh, Blind Bargains has been around since the end of uh, 2006, and it's really been interesting to watch um, us evolve from strictly a deals uh, site to now where we still do a lot of that, but now we're also doing a lot more. Uh, news and articles and all sorts of stuff and we're you know, we definitely accept contributions and um you know if our people want to send in articles or or podcasts and things like that or just want to uh comment on what we do but um uh the common misconception is it's just me that's not true if you look on the site you'll see there's uh, a few of us that are, are editors of the site and are are putting up content so um there are a lot of people involved and there was a uh, several that um we're on the panel for the top stories of 2009. So along with blindbargains.com, we need to talk about the blindgeekzone.net, the dash blind dash uh, you better do it, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually there's there's several URLs you can get okay. to that. Just just for 
times when uh, when when guys like you announce it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, the the main address is blind dash geek dash zone dot net, but there, there's several ways you can get to it. But yeah, it's it's been really fun. I haven't did as much this year with the with the site as I have in the past couple of years, but. You know, like you said, information overload. <laughs> there's a lot up there. There's a lot of tutorials. You've done a lot yeah. of podcasts slash tutorial yeah. presentations that are, I know, a and, lot of help to blind yeah, people. Yeah, and it's 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 hard to keep keep plugging them out. You know, to come up with something new. But yeah, I I do try, and and yeah, it's I you know it's one of those places that. You know, I think it's been quite helpful in the last couple of years of the blind community, and I, you know, I love all the comments I get all the time. You know, thanking me for it, and you know, it's it's great, great service. I think, and uh, blind bargains too. Yeah, that's that's a excellent service. That's you know, really mushroomed this year. Yeah, you guys are, are really great. That was Rick Harmon and JJ Meta joining me on this week's main menu. Before we go, I'd like to publicly thank Shane Dittmer for the work he's been doing on the Main Menu website. We have a great team. Everyone jumps in and does what they need to do and does what they can. But Shane has especially worked over the holidays to help improve the website, get some things fixed that weren't working quite right, and I'd like to thank him. Also, Shane is going to be bringing us some news tidbits throughout the coming year. And that will be a new segment that we'll be adding to the show, so we can look forward to that as well. Remember that you can always find out about Main Menu by visiting http mainmenu.acbradio.org. And you can see upcoming announcements of shows that are going to be broadcast, as well as view the show archives, stream, and download. You can subscribe to the podcast right from the website. If you'd like that URL, it's http colon slash slash mainmenu.acbradio.org slash rss.php. And of course, you can follow us on the ACB Radio announce list by sending a message to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. Or you can join us on the friends list by sending a message to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of Jeff Bishop and the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.